Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the wonderful IFC film, Corsage. We are joined today by actress Vicky Creeps, along with writer and director Marie Kreutzer. And Vicky, I wanted to start with, with talking to you first about the, the genesis of the idea, because this film came about from the fact that you had read a biography on the Empress when you were 14 or 15. And I love the fact that even at that age, you were already questioning, why would she have behaved in this way? Why would she have cared so much about her image and all of the society? societal impacts on someone in her position at that point in life. Um, and I was interested in what kind of, what kept coming back to you and thinking about that to the point where you ended up mentioning it to Marie when the two of you were working on We Used to Be Cool and the way that you really saw the genesis of a story that could tell a story about someone that a lot is known about, but in a very different way. Yeah. I think when I was 15, I don't know, I was... I could relate to some kind of melancholy I could feel in in the in her maybe, um, and I think I must have been a girl. I, I as a girl I felt um, I didn't feel alone, but I I did feel that there was like a wall between me and society because my mother grew uh, raised me quite freely, and I I felt I'm free. I can climb on trees. I I didn't grow up with all these. Um, ideas about how you have to be a girl but then I came to school and by the time I was 14 15 you know the system had attacked me already and um I think I, I felt sad there was a sort a sense of sadness I had feeling to this game that everyone was playing and that I felt I can't play the game I wasn't told how and I don't want to play the game and why do we play it and why then other people suffer from it? And to me, Elizabeth was someone who was exactly trapped in that game completely, you know, and by the game turned into like almost like the symbol of it and the symbol of beauty and how she was suffering. So I think that's why at 15, I could relate to something that was actually only happening later in my own life. I love that. And and Marie, in the in the writing of the script, obviously there was an extensive amount of research that went into this. And, you know, even newspapers from the time at this at this in this day and age, you can find them online and see the way that she was described and written about. And there's biographies which talk about her. But also it's always through the lens of other perspectives and particularly male perspectives viewing her, which the movie is kind of circumventing. And so how did you approach taking a lot of the research elements and the archival elements about her, but then in essence, stripping that away and asking yourself a lot of questions about the, what that would look like behind closed doors and then answering them through the portrayal of this character? Um. Mm, I, I had I had so many different books and there was one book in particular which a historian made me buy which is the bare facts of her life and this book is like this but what but every biography you read is like this so mm. I'm not saying they're making something up but but they have to write an, a story they have to make an interpretation so at a very early point I realized it's a, it will be an interpret I'm free to do my interpretation because every biography is only an interpretation of the facts and we were all not there and we we were all not able to see behind closed doors um and so I I felt quite free after doing all the research to to just take um what would uh, what would help support my story and while I was not even trying to stay true to the facts, I was trying to stay true 
to the impressions I had when reading about the character Elizabeth. And I read about a very complex, melancholic, very smart woman who was um, uh, who, who was many different things and who had many different sides. And I I just felt I just felt the need to to show the complex to the complexity of that character, um, a, a complex character as we all are. Uh, we are not the nice princess or the evil antagonist. We are all both. We're all of that. And, and um, there's different sides to all of us. And I wanted to stay true to that complexity, really. I don't know if that answered your question. It, it really does. And and for, for both of you as well, um, it sounds like there was a very deliberate choice in, in the visual aesthetic of the character. And, and in particular, the choice of rather than adorning her with makeup, we're going to actually strip that away. And that actually that's an element of power in her choosing to be seen as she is in the world. Um, and I was interested in the discussions that you had with your makeup artist that really led to that being such a specific choice for the character and how we see her on screen. Well, she actually in real life, uh, she was proud to not wear makeup. To, to her, makeup was something beneath her, which is very interesting because it's the upside down of what we have today and what you would have expected from her. But she was very proud of her own face being her face and being what they said beautiful and not being um, full of makeup. So that's something that helped us make this decision. And Marie was always that in that opinion and the, the makeup artist as well. Um, I had already done it once when I did Phantom Thread, for instance, I remember asking Paul if, if he would help me, because it's something that you really have to fight for, which you wouldn't think, but I really needed his help and support to say, before my character gets into the world of fashion, there's no makeup. And so what we did was that the makeup artist wouldn't be allowed to even come close to me so I really the way I arrived on set I was then filmed so I had already had this wonderful experience once and how liberating it is to have no makeup and to be able to as an actress even you know I sometimes feel I act with my skin too so the more makeup I have the more I feel again like also like in a prison and just to end this I, I had even one more thing that was always um, fascinating me and again, brought me maybe around this whole question of Sissi. And because I had seen Sissi the first time as Romy Schneider. And Romy Schneider was someone I was always fascinated by because she was the most authentic actress, I find. But she was always covered in makeup. And I remember as a young girl, the makeup being a reason why I didn't know how to like her. Because I found it so weird, you know, like these big eyebrows and like all this color here. And uh, so these were so many things, and in, in my mind at least, you know, to why I wouldn't want makeup. And, uh, but we all perfectly aligned. We all wanted the same, Marie and, and the makeup artist. And Marie, in terms of some of the, the production design, when you were writing the script for this, you were able to go into some of the spaces that she had lived in. And, and one of the details I've heard you mention is that you found oftentimes when you looked out of the window that it was looking, you couldn't see very far and then there would be another wall. So it was this sense of this very luxurious prison. So when you were working on the, the production design of all of the different spaces around her as a character, how did that influence the way that you wanted that sense to infiltrate her world constantly? 
Very much. Um, I think walking through her rooms in, in the Hofburg in Vienna really shaped um, the atmosphere of the movie very much because I always felt it was like a, like a luxurious jail. Um, and that was also the idea of, uh, of the rooms too, to have beautiful rooms which would still feel empty and dark and not, not cozy at all and not warm at all. Um, and we had a very, uh, it was very difficult to, 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 to get there, but I, I, I had a, I had a backdrop made with, with the original, uh, Hofburg walls, because I, I said, it, I, I cannot shoot, shoot this in a castle with a beautiful park around it, because that's just not how it was. And in, in here, it, it was important for me to stay true to the facts, because I thought this, this really must have done something to her living between all these gray walls all the time. It's, it doesn't really feel like a castle when you're there. And, and for both of you as well, in, in the fact that the film is exploring this character with so many constraints around her and her finding these different ways that she can exert autonomy over her life, I love the fact that sometimes there's very small details that are really big acts of rebellion for her within her world. You, you know, you can make me sit at the table at this regal dinner, but you can't determine if and what I'm going to eat while I sit here and how long I'm going to stay in this chair. I'll show up, but I'm going to create these rules for myself. And so within, within the specific period and the specific setting of the film how did you both work to make sure that you were always finding those those little details that were very period specific of how would someone in her time be exerting this this sense of autonomy and what would give her this semblance and feeling of control in her world hmm. I mean we had we actually had um I don't know if that if that's an answer but we had a kind of a trainer to, to tell all the actors how it would have been sitting at, at a dinner like that, for example, and what the rules were, because I always th think it's it's great to know the rules to break them. And especially for, for scenes like that, you know, you have to, um, it was it was fun really to learn all of that, to know how, how you would talk to someone, how you would not talk to another one, how you would, um, how this would all work and, and um, that, for example, that's what I love about that scene when she gets up. People have to get up when the Empress gets up, uh, no matter at what stage of the dinner that happens. And I love that while she's being, while she's stepping like out of the system and 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 doing that very provocative thing, uh, smoking at the table, then standing up. I'm not even speaking about the middle finger. Everybody else still has to function and still has to, to do the right thing um, as long as they're not told to do otherwise. Uh, um, and that gives her also freedom in, in scenes like that because she, she, still, she's, she's, she's still, she still has the boss, which is, who is also her husband, <laughs> but she's way above all these other people. And, and she doesn't feel that way because they all make the system she has to live in and they all embody it all the time. But still, she's above them in the in the hierarchy, and she can't just stand up. And um, I don't know if that answers the question, but I I think it's a it's a scene about knowing the rules and then breaking them, which we were also doing as as artists. I think. Yeah, and I mean, I I could rely on this. This was like a perfect structure to rely on you know because uh, as Marie says all the extras and all the other actors everyone knew exactly about the rules 
and I tried to stay away from them. So you had more like the, the extras and the other actors, they were like doing this film set. And I was more like visiting the film set. And then I was based on this perfect universe. I was then able to dance. And with Marie, who was my, you know, we, were, we had the pact. We knew that we want to break this image, but no one else really knew what we were doing. And some of them were questioning it really sometimes, what kind of movie are we making here? But me and Marie, we were just trying to break the image, but of course, full of respect to the time and to everything. It was not, it was not meant as like, oh, now we are going to, you know, slaughter the image of Sisi or whatever. That was not the intent, but it was, how can you rebel as filmmakers as well out of the structure that a historical drama is supposed to have and where can we do this so this setting was perfect for me to then go and know okay maybe here I can try a little bit and here I might you know but everyone around me didn't know what I was going to do next so like Marie says they had to because the camera was running you know they had to behave <laughs> and and Marie I really love the way that there's so many different usages of water imagery and what that connects to her throughout the film, you know, the the opening where she's submerging herself and seeing how long she can hold her breath, um, you know, going and, and swimming in this dilapidated looking pool on, on a property, the, the kind of choreography that happens out in the lake, and then even just the fact that water is the final moment in the film as well. Um, and so how did you really want to use water and imagery of that realm to show this very specific emotional journey of the character as well in different ways? It's so funny because very often symbols that go through a film like like a thread um are chosen um unconsciously at least that's what i can say for myself i I didn't think about that really when writing the script i really didn't think about water as a as a symbol but but it absolutely is i agree that just kind of happened unconsciously but i but i think um of course it's based on her relationship to water she loved the ocean um, she insisted on having a bathtub. No one had a bathtub at the time. She must have been the first person in Austria to own a bathtub. And um, that that was really, I think, something she felt drawn to. And I can imagine it also had to do with her feeling weightless in the water and free. I mean, I always thought she, she must have felt very heavy, although she was not heavy because of the corset and because of all that hair, the very heavy hair. That's also why I made the decision to let her cut her hair, because I thought that would be the first thing I would do to free myself from that weight of being the empress. And um, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's really the honest answer. It was unconscious. (laughs) But that's the most beautiful thing about my job. I can just write something and then afterwards people would analyze it and say, ah, that's very smart. And I'm like, was it smart or did it just happen? <laughs> Subconscious intelligence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can put it that way. <laughs> and, and Vicky, Marie's bringing up, you know, the, the obvious element of the corset, which is an imagery throughout as well. Um, and, and I've heard you say that, that you were actually very surprised at how much in the wearing of it and wearing it as tight as you needed to for the character created this visceral emotional response for you as well. Um, and so how did you then feed that emotional response that you were having to this physical element of your character into the emotional trajectory of her throughout the film? Wow. 
I would have to be very conscious about what I do to answer that. <laughs> I, you know, it was a surprise and I, sh I should have known what, what it was not a surprise that is painful because it's to me very obvious. Uh, it looks painful and it is. I think the surprise was that I didn't think of how many hours I would wear it opposed to her getting up at 12, you know, or, and then being ready by three o'clock in the afternoon. So that's a whole different just time in the corset. That's something I, I miss. Uh, just, it was just a mistake not knowing about it. But once it was there, I just tried to stick with it. And it was hard to, it's hard to say that I was able to feed it into anything because it was so numbing and, and, and suffocating that it was very difficult to use it. I think I just did what I always do. You know, I feel sometimes when I make movies, I become this animal almost like a creature and I move around the camera. I exist around the camera. I don't want to go away. I am there. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm following something. I'm, you know, I'm relying on my director to tell me when I'm about to drop off the roof, but otherwise I'm just going. You know, and I think I just tried to to not question it too much. That was the only thing I consciously did was like, because if I would question it, I would go home. I'd say, okay, Marie, thank you very much. You can go find someone. <laughs> I love that answer. And, and, you know, speaking a little bit more about the costumes, Marie, as well, um, you know, they they obviously tell such a story about the the journey of this character throughout the film as well. You know, when we first meet her, there's a very formal structure to what she's wearing. And as she finds more emotional freedom, the, the costumes shift and change and evolve. And I even love um, the kind of like facial masquerade style pieces that she's wearing a lot towards the end of the film because it's taking away other people's ability to get close to her and to see her and to judge her in the way that they always have been. And so how did you want to create create these these changes and shifts to the characters that would be in tangent with the character? Um, I mean, she really started to wear only black at a certain age, which was linked to her son's suicide, which is not part of the film. But so I, I just played with that a little with her getting darker and darker, but also loosen up in a way because we then see her also in that in these morning gowns and, 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 and just half like half dressed um and yeah that was that was a that's a that's a story on its own as well as the hair which is also getting you know messier and messier um but in general we were basically focusing on on the lines of the silhouette and just simplifying the costumes over and over because the original clothing was much more decorated at that time and I didn't like that I I wanted to focus more on the lines and on the fabric so that you would see texture um I think texture is so important when it comes to filming that's also why I to get back to that once more why I love um skin uh, make a free skin on on the screen because it's um when when you're in a cinema you can see an actor's or actress's skin so very uh close you you the, you see the you see these faces of of people you you might admire in in a, such a in such a on such a big screen so big that they are um, you get closer to them to them than than to many people you know in real life 
Um, so that's just, you know, I was just thinking about that before when we were talking about the makeup, but that also applies to the costumes that I wanted to see different fabrics and that I wanted to see um, also fur and feather and stuff that would be more, I don't know how to say it, more um, that would ground her a little, you know, that would be like a little bit of nature in her costumes and we we, we played with all of that and then um and then the face uh, the, the the veils she's wearing at the end um are also based on 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 research but it it was also interesting to me because i think that the, that a veil protects you from other people observing you but at the same time it distances you from them you're then very isolated in your own little you know world here um and so I thought it was on one hand she was I think wearing it to protect herself but on the other hand it 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 really separated her from everyone and I thought that's also a very strong image uh for where she's standing she's she's already very isolated at that time in the film Absolutely. And, and, and Vicky, kind of going back to what you were saying before about how so many elements of, of the performance are just such an instinct for you. Was that also the same when it came to the physical elements of the character? Because there's much more of a physical looseness in her expression as she finds more freedom within herself throughout the film. Yeah, I was, I was really trying to build, I was, um, I went to get a help from a coach, she's called Jane Gibson and she works at the London Opera. Uh, she's really like a legend. And because I, I, I wanted to create a dialogue that was only around her physicality, to, to think about what happens to a body that is cut in two. How do you feel yourself? You don't, you know, what if my uterus is not connected to my heart center anymore? And then, how do I feel and how, do, how does the air feel around me? So I tried to give her something that would almost feel as if she's hovering, like as if she's not even walking like normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to the end of the film, she gets more and more gravitas. You know, when, when really what she wanted was to get away. But I think to me, the, the freeing thing that we invent in our film is that she understands, oh no, I can be on this earth. I can have weight. I can stand with my two feet. Once I'm out of this structure and once I am allowed to be me, I'm okay with being here and I'm okay with having a weight. It's as long as I have to represent something that I'm not, that I want to escape. So that was for me, the the movement was going to the ground rather than away from the ground. Uh, yeah I love that and and I did want to ask both of you about the opening sequence because I think it's such a brilliant way to first meet this character where there's such a stoicness at first while she's listening to men describe the way that that they've perceived her or her looks directly to her face and and she really can't respond because it's in the middle of a, a ceremonial aspect of her day to day and then just the immediate fainting and then the fact that we get to see immediately after her demonstrating how to do it I loved because it tells us so much about her so quickly in the film and so I just wanted to ask both of you about how that felt like an important way to bring audiences into really understanding who she is like right from the beginning and even just you know again the physical element of filming that and what what is that going to look like on screen 
Well, I think uh, it's it's also based on on research in a way. Not that I don't I don't I don't think she she uh, pretended to faint, but but I read that she tried everything to get out of official events. She she tried everything to not have to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the first draft of the script, it was even just her leaving with the carriage and then having the carriage t- uh, carriage turned around and just going back before even going there. But but of course, we we needed a stronger visual visualization for her um, fleeing uh, an event like that. So that that made me come up with the idea of her fainting and then. Uh, because it was also something that people talked about in Vienna a lot. Is she sick again? Because she had been sick and she had been to Greece for a long time to get healthy again. And so it was something she might have played with a little also, I think. Um, and and I thought that would be yeah, a good way to to describe her with, with these few scenes of first her like competing against herself and trying to control herself in the bathtub breathing under not breathing underwater and then with the corset and her being so hard on herself but at the same time um already finding her way out of you know the system she she was still trying to fit in so i wanted to show her uh, at, at, a, at a point in her life where she was um yeah at a point where she was still trying to fit in but already feeling that she had to find a way out yeah mm-hmm. And I think that at the time, that was something that many women were using, you know, I mean, it's a very famous thing to say, oh, darling, are you not well? Are you unwell? Are you unwell, my dear? And they were always unwell, I think, in a way to get away. I mean, it make to me makes sense now that I know so much about that time and about just how stuck you were in that time. As a woman, it makes sense to me that they were fainting. You know, but they were probably also fainting because of the corset, which I then also learned. Uh, because I fainted wearing the corset. So I think it, it, it's a mix of everything and it's going to the only place you can. I think what is so genius about the script is someone who can't escape, where do they go? They have to go inside. And either, and that's what she does. She shapes her body. She goes inside. Everything just goes internal. And the interesting thing is that when we shot that scene, I remember standing there knowing this so well. I mean, I'm not an empress. But being surrounded by men who just talk, and I don't answer because it's just too stupid, and I can't tell them that it's not funny and that it's not interesting. So I'm just going to not answer. And that day, these men, poor them, but they were actually making these jokes. Do you remember, Marie? I was just standing there, and these actors were like, oh, and then, you know, <laughs> and then and the sword, you know, the sword is like, a, you know, like a sword, like, and I, I swear it was so funny. It was like, the I real- mean, also in real life, it was a crowd of men, of course. I mean, yeah. they were there. <laughs> And, and, and then, they're always like, you know, when you have a group of men, no matter if they're actors or, or anything else, they would like do the body thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you are out of it. Yeah. Me, I mean, oh, 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 this joke and ho oh, oh, And then I fainted on his sword, you know. Oh, how funny. I fell on his sword. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I love hearing so many of the details that went into making this film. It's an absolutely stunning movie. So congratulations on everything with it. And thank you so much to both of you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> this is, no, this was so fun.